The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. I am back at about 75%. I would not wish mono upon my worst enemy, but almost there. It is Scoop Podcast episode number 78. We have a new sponsor on board. Remember, the sponsors keep this podcast going. We'll get to the sponsor in a second. Guest-wise, Brent Flair, Wild Senior VP of Operations. He has a new title, former Wild Assistant General Manager. He will join us to talk Wild offseason. Josh Ani. Just committed to the Gopher football team. He is, well, he just got done with his junior year at Highland Park High School. He will join us as well. I think I will do a separate baseball podcast, a separate Major League Baseball draft recap podcast where I can track down Sam Carlson, can track down the highest Gopher to go, can track down somebody from the Twins, whether it's Mike Radcliffe, Sean Johnson, or somebody, Thad Levine, although Thad not heavily involved like the other two. So I think I will do that later in the week, can provide some tidbits in this podcast in case this thing gets posted right away. Phil Mackey and Jonathan Harrison in charge of how soon this gets posted. I can tell you I'm taping this Monday afternoon, the 12th of June, Monday afternoon, the 12th of June at about 1.15. But by the time you listen to this particular podcast, it might be well beyond when the Twins pick on Monday night. They will pick three times on Monday night, picks 135 and 37 but i will unleash some tidbits when it comes to the twins slash major league baseball draft because hey some people might consume this right away this thing might get posted right away so it remains to be seen when it gets posted but i can tell you when i am taping it the new sponsor of the scoop podcast we thank them heavily we will be checking them out soon Vine Park Brewery. So if you've ever been to the X, been to a wild game, a Lynx game, a concert, right there on West 7th. At Vine Park Brew on Twitter. Vine underscore Park underscore Brew on Twitter. Vine Park is the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer and make your own wine on Vine Park's equipment with Vine Park's help. Vine Park has been the fun place to brew your own beer and make your own wines since 1995. You think about later this week, Father's Day, Sunday is Father's Day. Think about how excellent a present this would be for Dad. Brew your own beer or wine you take home in 22-ounce bottles. It's perfect, I'm telling you. Whether it's Father's Day, a different gift, perfect for sharing. You can make your own custom labels. It's perfect for parties, corporate events, pale ales, IPAs, brown ales, porters, stouts, lagers, pilsners, box, wheats. Whatever you like, they can customize it for your taste buds the right recipe for you that is what vine park is all about growlers available to take home of some of vine park's most popular recipes in case you don't have time to brew your own swing in check out their famous local beer vine park brewery right off west 7th street in downtown st paul and they have brew party nights all summer call them 651-228-1355 june 13th which you might be listening to this after June 13th, but they have one on June 13th, a Minnesota mix. They have June 20th as staff faves. They have June 27th, July 11th, July 18th, July 25th, some summer mixes, British mixes, German mixes. I'm telling you, check them out online 
or call them 651-228-1355. If you've thought about brewing your own beer, this is the place to go. Vine Park Brewery online, vinepark.com. Again, vinepark.com, Vine Park Brewery. We thank them heavily for sponsoring the Scoop Podcast. Find folks like Vine Park. Keep this podcast going. All right, in no specific order, Wolves Notes. Brian Palga, personnel guy, Zarko Durisic, European scout. They're in Treviso, Italy for the Euro Camp. Former Wolves coach Sam Mitchell coaching a lot of the top 2018 high school players there. So there's some 2017 draft eligible players there, 2018 draft eligible, and 2019 draft eligible The Wolves will make this now an annual tradition every June. They did one last year. They will do one again this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. It's a free agent mini camp. Some of the names here this week, I am told. Clee Anthony Early, Chris Johnson, John Jenkins. Uniform update. Told it's fluid. It won't be before the draft. Should be sometime soon thereafter. Presumably if the Wolves sign a free agent, When they introduce that free agent, I would say decent chance that free agent could hold up the new Wolves uniform. Zach Collins and Jared Allen were in last week. Collins from Gonzaga, Allen from Texas. Those two guys in last week. Draft workouts are always fluid. Early in the week, the word was only Collins would be in town. Then Allen popped in town on Wednesday. The Lori marketing camp has gone silent. Jason Tatum still won't come to Minnesota. Same with De'Aaron Fox. Those guys feel like they will go higher in Fox's case. His camp looks at the Wolves choosing Chris Dunn last year saying, we think we're going higher than seven. You took a point guard last year. You had a chance to see us at our pro day. No reason to come to Minnesota. Jonathan Isaac's camp is very private. They are close to the vest, much like the marketing camp. I am told he is doing workouts in Vegas at Impact basketball i know he's worked out for the phoenix suns and boston celtics i know some teams below the wolves have been trying to get some face time with isaac they are swinging and missing so far nothing set in stone with dennis smith jr initial word was he would come to minnesota for workout but the word is his camp senses the wolves are chasing a veteran free agent point guard they're not looking for a rookie point guard So, again, draft workouts incredibly fluid. But as of Monday afternoon, the 12th of June, nothing set in stone with a Dennis Smith Jr. visit and workout. Told when it comes to pick seven, the Wolves are open for business. Portland is one team to have reached out. Portland is reaching out to a number of teams above them looking to move up. They have three first-round picks. Portland doesn't have much interest in selecting three times. So Portland is one team looking to move up. I'm told the Wolves do have some interest in acquiring a second-round pick. Philadelphia has four second-round picks. They are open for business. A Nikola Pekovic update. Wolves, doctor, I don't know if he's officially on the team payroll or not. I guess I could dig on that. I guess it doesn't matter. But the Wolves have had a doctor. Deem Peck very unlikely to play next season. Now the Wolves are waiting on an NBA doctor to affirm that So then the Wolves can get the financial and cap relief. Insurance will pick up 80% of his salary for this upcoming season. Pekovic, one year remaining on his contract. Target center renovation, about 65% done. Free agent scuttlebutt. It all starts with a Ricky Rubio trade. Now, internally, the Wolves have gone pretty darn silent on this. But I can tell you, industry buzz indicates the Wolves are looking to acquire a veteran point guard in free agency. 
but it begins with trading Ricky Rubio. Well, who likes Rubio? Okay, Sacramento has interest in Rubio, but they also have a ton of interest in De'Aaron Fox. If the Kings end up with De'Aaron Fox, it's unlikely they make a move on Rubio. The New York Knicks, and I know ESPN New York has reported this, I can tell you the Knicks have genuine interest in Ricky Rubio. I have that from multiple angles. That doesn't mean there is a logical match. In fact, I've run this by a number of NBA folks. I've run it by an assistant GM, a personnel guy. I can't come up with anybody to come up with a logical trade match, the Knicks and the Wolves. So that's fine if the Knicks like Rubio, but I'm just telling you, league-wide sentiment is that there's not really a logical match between the two teams. Yes, the Wolves went after Courtney Lee in free agency last summer. I am told they were only willing to do two years for Courtney Lee. The Knicks gave him four years and more money than the Wolves were willing to do annually. I don't see Courtney Lee with three years left in his contract at $13 million per as a match for the Wolves. If the Wolves can find a suitable Rubio trade partner, I am told they have interest in Drew Holiday, Jeff Teague and George Hill don't know the order, although based on age, you would think that Drew Holiday would make as much sense as anybody. There is some growing sentiment in the league that he is willing to leave New Orleans if he gets max money. So you would have to give Holiday a four-year max deal. Has an injury history, a bit of an injury history, but he is a really good player. Just a name to keep an eye on. I know the Derrick Rose rumors are out there. I was not told Derrick Rose's name. Now, I guess if you swing and miss on enough guys, you could circle back to a Rose, especially if you end up making a Rubio trade. But I think there are other guys. In fact, I'm positive there are other guys rated on the Wolves free agent board higher than Derrick Rose. Noah Kroom, assistant general manager, interviewed last week for the Bucks GM job. He won't be getting that job. Selfishly, I wish Milt Newton would have gotten a crack at that job. Milwaukee ended up interviewing a number of candidates. Why not Milt Newton? We'd like to see Milt Newton back in the NBA. By the way, there's all sorts of crazy talk out there. It's that time of the year. Who to believe, what to believe, what to believe is BS. You know, much like in the NHL, I mean, there's all sorts of crazy stuff being thrown about in the NHL. There's a lot of crazy stuff being thrown about in the NBA. I do think the Wolves will be active. I've maintained for a long time that I feel like this summer, Tom Thibodeau makes his first trade as Wolves boss. Just don't know when that will be, but they have enough stuff going on out there. They are having constant dialogue with other teams. Teams are calling them. There's a reason why Scott Layden didn't go to Treviso. It was never the plan to go to Treviso for the Euro camp. You know, I know they're having the free agent mini camp, but also it makes sense to stay stateside to be able to handle all the trade talk. So they're trying to do some stuff. Yet to hear anything involving Andrew Wiggins. I know Charlie Walters of the Pioneer Press threw out Wiggins plus something for Jimmy Butler and pick 16. Don't see that happening. Does Tom Thibodeau like Jimmy Butler? Of course he does. Would he love to have Jimmy Butler here in Minnesota? Of course. Is he willing to give up Andrew Wiggins? Do not bet on that. Zach Levine doing extremely well. He's doing some running. He's put on some muscle in his upper body. Don't know if he'll be back by opening night, but it won't be much longer after that. Jonathan Simmons, somebody who has a history with Brian Pauga and Scott Layden from their San Antonio days potential free agent target if the Spurs go the Chris Paul route. Although I think Chris Paul ends up re-signing in Los Angeles, takes the five-year max from the Clippers, ends up re-signing with the Clippers. But if Chris Paul goes to San Antonio and the Spurs end up doing some wacky stuff, it's entirely possible Jonathan Simmons, who's a restricted free agent, 
will be made available that San Antonio won't match any sort of offer. I am told he has left Priority Sports. He has a new agent heading into restricted free agency this summer. On Andre Iguodala, saw the report from ESPN last week. Yeah, I think the Wolves have some interest in Iguodala. You know, again, hat tip to ESPN on that. No sense they are willing to do any sort of four-year big-time money offer for Iguodala. If you look at what the Wolves did last summer, give Cole Aldrich a two-year deal, third-year team option. They give Jordan Hill a two-year deal, second-year team option. Jordan Hill gone from the Wolves. They won't bring him back. You look at the offer they made to Courtney Lee, two years, $18 million. Luol Dang, it was three years, $30 million, but the third year was only partially guaranteed. It actually was a three-year, $36 million offer, $30 million guaranteed they felt like in year three if they had to escape the deal they could eat that money they were not willing to do anything close to what the lakers did for Lou Dang. they weren't willing to do anything close to what the knicks did for joe kim noah or courtney lee they were willing to give Paul gasol big money but on a short-term deal i think the same applies to taj gibson running taj gibson's name by some league people the last week when i was on bed rest with mono The sentiment was, yeah, the Wolves would have some interest in Taj Gibson, but nobody in the league can see the Wolves giving Taj Gibson a four-year deal at pretty good money. Maybe they would be willing to do a short-term deal at bigger money. you know. But I think the Wolves will be active this summer, both on the trade front and in free agency. They also remain interested in re-signing Shabazz Muhammad, although his camp is starting to wonder how legitimate the Wolves' interest is. In re-signing him, I still think some team makes Shabazz Muhammad a pretty good offer that the Wolves ultimately pass on. So he signs as a restricted free agent elsewhere, maybe the Brooklyn Nets, maybe somebody else with cap space, and the Wolves ultimately decide to reject that offer. But I can tell you, it's not like the Wolves have decided, no way, no how, will we retain Shabazz Muhammad. They have legitimate interest in retaining Shabazz Muhammad, but at a certain price. They don't want to go beyond the price they have in mind. All right, Major League Baseball draft scuttlebutt at 145 on Monday afternoon. So the draft begins in about five hours. So you may be listening to this, and this may be old news. The Kyle Wright team was legit, but it seems like the Twins are looking to cut a deal. The Brendan McKay Louisville steam is absolutely the steam that is running rampant through the industry. Now, a Twins front office official told me at 10 a.m. this morning, no decision has been made as of yet. I can tell you as of lunchtime, There have been no money talks on the McKay front, but the Twins know that if they don't take McKay one, he's not going second, he's not going third. So you look at the money difference, the slot for the number one pick is $7.7 million. The Twins, in theory, could sign McKay at 6-2, then invest that money savings in picks 35 and or 37 and or later in the draft. You can invest that money in the fourth round, the fifth round, the third round. You know, the idea for the Twins is to maximize their $14.1 million draft pool, which is the highest in Major League Baseball history. But I do think the nationwide scuttlebutt is certainly legit at this moment that Brendan McKay is a guy very much on the Twins' radar, especially if they can save some money. Hunter Green put on a show on Friday. Hit 101 on the radar gun from the mound, put a few balls into the left field seats, although they wouldn't draft him one overall as a batter, but he can field the ball as a shortstop. He can hit the ball over the fence. The bat translates, but they would draft him because of the arm, but there are no signs that they will take him. Also keep in mind that Green's camp knows if he doesn't go one, he's going two to the Reds. So it's not like Green's camp is willing to take 
a sweetheart deal. But I don't think they go Hunter Green. It will be interesting to see what the Twins fan base, the reaction they have if and when the Twins pass on Hunter Green. On Kyle Wright, it's just one of those years, and we've talked about this on past Scoop Podcasts, that it's not a good year to be 1-1. There have been better years, the Bryce Harper year, the Steven Strasburg year, the Joe Maurer year, for example. So if you can save a bunch of money, why not go that route? There's some question marks, too, about Kyle Wright's delivery, his mechanics, what that could lead to down the road. But there are Kyle Wright fans in that draft room. I can tell you there are split opinions in that draft room. There are Hunter Green fans in that draft room. There are Kyle Wright fans. There are Brendan McKay fans. I even think there's a Royce Lewis fan or two. It's one of those years when there's not a consensus one overall. So I guess what the Twins are trying to do is, okay, if there's no obvious 1-1, let's get a good player. If it ends up being Brendan McKay, so be it. He can only throw so many innings the rest of this year. So he'll get the bat at some point. But the Twins absolutely like McKay's left arm, what he can do on the pitcher's mound, you know, but he's pitched so many innings for Louisville this year that when he signs, you know, whether it's with the Twins or somebody else, but let's go under the scenario, he's the first overall pick, signs with the Twins, the idea would be he's not going to throw much, if at all, the rest of this season, the rest of this summer, so he would end up batting. The bat is legit. A lot of scouts think that Brendan McKay has a really good ceiling, a major league ceiling, maybe even a major league all-star ceiling as a hitter. But I'm just telling you, the Twins like the arm enough that the idea is to try him as a pitcher somewhere down the road. Maybe he throws a little bit this summer, then he ramps it up again next year. I'm just telling you, the Twins like McKay enough where they would not make him solely a hitter. On Burnsville, pitcher Sam Carlson, he's trying to become the first ever Minnesota high school pitcher to go in the first round of the draft. I can tell you the Mariners really like him at pick 17, but it always comes down to slot value. You know, are the Mariners looking to save a little bit of money? The Mariners draft pool is like $6.5, $6.6 million. The value of the 17th pick is like half that. Do they want to invest half of their draft pool in a high school right-hander? Seems unlikely. Not you know, 100% guaranteed that they will pass on him. But the buzz, the industry buzz on Monday afternoon is the Mariners likely go in a different direction, probably go the college route, not the high school route. Look at the teams with multiple picks, whether it's the Rangers, the Cubs, the Reds, the Rays, the Twins, teams with multiple picks in the top 40, 41, 42. Yes, the Twins have all sorts of interest in Sam Carlson if he slides to pick 35. They would have to go over slot, by the way. The slot for pick 35 is less than $2 million to get Sam Carlson, you would have to go above slot, whether it's pick 35 or 37. I am told Carlson leans toward signing. If the money is right, he will forego that scholarship to Florida that Sam Carlson has sincere interest in starting his pro career. But it's a crapshoot. It is really hard to project when you talk about teams and their draft pools and how they decide to, you know, spread out their money. You know, teams don't draft necessarily just based on their board again if that was the case it would be a lock a near lock that the Mariners would take Sam Carlson at pick 17 and I guess we'll wait and see you know as I tape this I suppose there's a possibility Carlson goes 17th but it seems unlikely it's just it's a unique animal the baseball draft compared to the other drafts MLS WNBA NBA NFL and NHL just because of the draft pull and how you can spread out your money the twins were in on Sam Dyson until the very end Texas ultimately chose San Francisco's offer the twins remain on the lookout 
for arms. I saw that Arizona designated a reliever for assignment over the weekend. Anytime a reliever becomes available, it's worth monitoring. At the very least, the Twins kick around all these guys internally. They realize the bullpen still needs all sorts of help. I love the Nick Turley story. In my opinion, he earned another start. To me, he starts on Friday against the Indians at Target Field. Most of his family made it to San Francisco. How cool is that? Wife, kids, parents, uncles, aunts, cousins had about 16 people total. His agent made it as well. Cole Stewart, out since May 7th with a knee injury, has been throwing in Florida. So some positivity on that front. On Tyler J on the DL yet again at Double A Chattanooga. His last doctor's visit showed nothing wrong structurally. So I guess that is somewhat good news, but it's just been a very frustrating year overall for Tyler J. The Twins' first-round pick a couple years ago, they took him sixth overall, had no interest in Andrew Benintendi, who went the next pick to the Boston Red Sox. Now Benintendi is one of those great young hitters in the game. And Tyler J., we don't know, making the switch from starter to reliever. You figure at some point he can help the Twins' bullpen. But with this year, with all these injuries, doesn't look like it'll be this season. All right, let's get to Gophers football. Josh Awney of St. Paul Highland Park High School, linebacker slash safety. Although for Highland Park, he lines up in the slot, plays some running back. He's a do-it-all for Highland Park. But the Gophers recruited him as more a safety and or a linebacker if he develops a little bit more, you know, strength-wise, size-wise, but they look at him as more a defensive guy, not an offensive guy. Anyway, I ran over to Highland Park High School the other day, had a chance to meet Josh Ani, thoroughly impressed. Reminded me a bit of Carter Coughlin. Here's my conversation with Josh Ani. Josh, just take us through. Okay, so Friday you participate in the Gophers camp, and then a few hours later, next thing you know, you're committing to the Gophers. Oh, it was... uh... It was a wonderful experience uh, getting pulled in back into the recruiting room, um, you know, talking to some of their coaches before uh, getting pulled back into PJ Flex office uh, and then getting the offer. It was a uh, it was a surreal event and it was wonderful. A dream come true for me. Um, it was a no brainer for me to commit. It was a uh, uh, just uh, it's a wonderful opportunity. And I thank that coaching staff and uh, all the people who have really helped me out along the way to uh, get to this point. It's a it's truly a blessing. What was Flex's reaction when you told him, yes, I want to be a gopher? <laughs> uh, it was a very positive reaction. You know, I, I gave him a hug, and uh, he opened up the door to his office and said, we got a gopher to all the rest of the coaches, and they uh, they clapped and uh, yelled, and it was really a, a great experience. It was a lot of fun. Did you sense that it was coming? I mean, did you think, okay, when I go to campus on Friday, if I perform well, that the offer will come? Um, I definitely thought that a lot was riding on this camp, um, and I tried to lock myself in mentally before the camp. Uh, that was a big part of my preparation for the camp. I knew I had the physical ability, and uh, that wasn't what I was worried about. I was preparing mentally. Um, going into the camp, uh, I felt really good. I felt like I did, had a good uh, performance. I performed well, uh, left it all out on the field is, like, is what I like to say. Um, and then afterwards, um, I had no clue uh, what they are doing, holding me there for so long, but it was, uh, I knew it was good. Um, and I was just trying to breathe, take it all in, and enjoy the moment. How do you do that? I mean, I'm trying to remember when I was your age, what, 16 years old, 17 years old? How do you prepare mentally for something like that? Well, uh, mental reps really help out, you know, kind of envisioning myself in the camp, doing what I have to do, um, going through, you know, my form technique, um, making sure I'm really going to listen to the coaches and apply what they say. Uh, that's a big part of it. And uh, just, you know, saying, you know, this is it. You know, it's ready to go. You know, there's no more waiting. It's time to time to show and do what I have to do. So, yeah. 
Is safety your best position? Um, either or uh, linebacker. Uh, it really doesn't matter to me where I play at the U of M uh, as long as I can contribute. Um, they say if I you know, put on a few pounds, uh, grow a little bit, I'll play linebacker. But right now I'm about the size of a safety, strong safety. You also play some offense here at Highland? Yeah, I do. I play slot receiver, uh, sometimes get moved out to wide receiver, sometimes I play running back. It's just kind of a, a versatile offensive player, I'd like to say. Um, I try to help out wherever I can. So presumably, I mean, you pride yourself on just being a phenomenal athlete. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, I've been blessed with a lot of uh, athletic capabilities, and uh, I like to help out wherever I can for sure. Josh, when did you realize that, that playing college football at a very high level was, was realistic? I mean, was it eighth grade? Was it ninth grade? Was it sooner than that? Um, well, it's always been a dream of mine to play uh, high-level football in the Big Ten or one of the bigger conferences. Um, you know, when it really became feasible to me was uh, the last two to three years. Um, you know, playing on the varsity football team, kind of developing my uh, my body, getting bigger, um, starting to make plays uh, here and there, and it, you know, putting my film together, looking at my highlights, it kind of it, it hit me for sure. And it, it was really a, you know, I I I've always wanted to, so it didn't come as a surprise when you know I you know, started to get some looks here and there. But it, it's really been a, a true blessing for sure. Describe your style of play. I mean, I was watching your your huddle video. I mean, it looks like you like to hit but also looks like you can run sideline to sideline, that you have some speed. If, if you had to write a scouting report on yourself, what would that scouting report say? Uh, I'd see myself as a very versatile player, uh, a passionate player, um, and when it comes down to you know the final seconds of the game, I'd want the ball in my hands for sure. Um, but from sideline to sideline, I'll always track down the ball. I'll always uh, go 110% on every single play, and I'll, I'll give it my best. Can you put into words how rare it is for somebody from St. Paul Highland Park? to be a gopher i mean i know tony levine yeah grew up with tony levine Absolutely. but i believe tony was even a walk-on initially might have earned a scholarship thereafter mm-hmm. it is incredibly rare for a highland park player to earn a scholarship yeah. at the big 10 level can you put that in the words i mean it it's <laughs> i i can almost uh say that it's uh i it's hard to put into words honestly actually you know it's um being one of the first people to well, in a long time to get a scholarship for football, for the Big Ten, for the Gophers. And uh, the opportunity to play for the hometown uh, definitely means a lot to me. And uh, I'm sure it means a lot to the school, too. Um, you know, I've had a lot of people coming up and congratulating me and saying, you know, this is big time. I'm happy for you. And it's uh, it's really hit me. And it's, it's kind of sinking in now, finally, that, uh, um, you know, I'm going to play for the Gophers someday and, or soon, uh, I'd, I should say. But uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a rare thing and um, I don't know I'm just uh, thankful for the opportunity that they gave me and uh, I'm going to make the most of it for sure. Were you always a public school guy? You know never the draw to to a Cretan or somewhere else? Well uh, I had a decision to make when I was younger uh, in 8th grade uh, whether or not to go to Cretan or go to Highland and uh, I I chose Highland I wanted to play with my brother he goes to Concordia St. Paul right now and he's playing football as well and that was one of the better decisions I made um, because I got to play football with my older brother and that's a memory I'll never forget and also um, I think it it means a lot to Highland Park that I you know have this opportunity to play uh, division one football for the Gophers um, and I think it's big for the school and big for the uh, football program and uh, yeah how much does PJ Fleck excite you I mean it seems like he goes non-stop I mean we've been around him enough especially on the recruiting trail I mean does he ever stop recruiting uh, no honestly PJ Fleck is a wonderful guy um, and I've you know, a, 
a big part of what attracted me to the University of Minnesota is his personality and his culture that he's creating there. And I'm sure a lot of other people feel that way as, uh, as well. Um, the energy, the you know, uh, the responsibility, everything that comes with a row the boat culture is uh, it's really appealing and it's really um, a great thing. I firmly believe in it, and I, I, it's it's going to be great for sure. He's a great guy. Will you now be a recruiter? I mean, locally, I guess. I mean, Benny Sapp is on board, right? Absolutely. Span Ford from St. Cloud Tech is on board, but there's so many other good 2018 players. Will you now help recruit? Um, I will do anything I can to help the program out, um, whether that be recruiting or you know going to camps later on, um, showing my face around, uh, doing whatever I can, uh, which includes recruiting. I'll, I'll try my best to uh, welcome anybody who commits and uh, try to, I guess, uh, make the U of M look much more desirable to them because I, I firmly believe in it. it. It's a great campus and it's a great football program. And, uh, it's going to... We're going to be contenders soon. I believe it. Really impressive young man. Class of 2018, Josh Ani from St. Paul Highland Park. Brevin Span Ford from St. Cloud Tech. Also committed that weekend. Had offers from West Virginia and Iowa State. I know on Ani, he was set to go to an Iowa camp, a Northwestern camp. There was a belief that both those schools were on the cusp of offering. Since my interview with Ani, the Gophers picked up another verbal commitment. They are now up to 15 for the class of 2018, a cornerback from Florida, last name McDowell. He committed on Sunday night, also had offers from North Carolina State and Iowa State. Span Ford had offers from Iowa State, West Virginia, Missouri. So Fleck and company are beating out some really good schools, or at least Power 5 schools, for these recruits. By the way, another busy recruiting month. Four satellite camps total. As I'm taping this, the Gopher staff is in the Atlanta area doing a camp. So June, very, very busy, a very busy recruiting month. I don't have anything else that I absolutely have to get in in this podcast when it comes to Gophers football. So since we need to get to Brent Flair, Wild, Senior Vice President of Operations, let's do that. So let's make the transition to the Wild. All right, let's transition to Wild Talk. Joining us now, Senior Vice President of Operations, he is Brent Flair. Hi, Brent. Thanks for your time. No problem. No problem. You have the new title, does it mean anything new, or are the duties about the same? Uh, well, the duties are going to, you know, about the same. Uh, I'll still oversee uh, the scouting uh, staff and still do contracts and, and whatnot. We'll have uh, Andrew Burnett, which will be a big uh, big addition, uh, you know, in a full-time role. And, and Shep Harder will be doing a little bit more on the contract administrative side. So it uh, just, you know, solidifies our uh, management group here, which is great. I suppose you have to get new business cards now, though. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> what did you think of the Stanley Cup Finals? Uh, it was, yeah, it was interesting. Obviously, both teams were banged up and had uh, significant players out with injuries, and you know, you saw you saw some ups ups and downs. And both, obviously, the home team dominated early, and, and uh, but Pittsburgh, you know, they had the stars up the middle, and and. Uh, you know, with Johansson out, it just looked uh, like they were able to pull away. So, but it was, uh, yeah, it was. It's interesting. It's a lot of parity in the league, and uh, it's war of attrition for sure. But it's, uh, you know, Pittsburgh. You have to give them, you know, tip your hat. They've won two in a row, and that's hard to do in, in the present game. I mean, I'll tell you one thing that's interesting is Pittsburgh winning it all with that blue line. I mean, you look at their defensemen, 
And, you know, I mean, this is more casual hockey guy talking, but I look at their group of defensemen and I'm like, holy cow, that team won a Stanley Cup? Yeah, it's impressive. You have to give credit to their coaching staff and the players. And, you know, they're committed to, you know, the way they played. And uh, it obviously helps when you have Crosby's and Malkins up the middle. And But, you know, whenever they lost a player to injury or whatever, they just uh, they kept playing and playing the same way. And, uh, you know, like I said, you got to tip your hat to them. Is this a copycat league? I mean, do you look at how, you know, Pittsburgh constructed its team? Do you look at the blueprint, how they won it all, and say, okay, there's some things that we can copy, how they construct their team? It is a copycat league for sure. Uh, we'll look at some things, but, you know, we've, uh, you know, we've looked at the Pittsburghs over the years, and unfortunately there's only one Sidney Crosby in the league, <laughs> and, uh, one Malkin, so... Um, it's hard just to say oh, we want to be them and copy that. It's just uh, it's not realistic. But but the way they play sometimes and you know the way they handle matchups and the thing is, I think there's lots of things you can learn from. How impressive was the Nashville run? I mean, they enter the playoffs with what the 16th most points. They make that run. I mean, you know, I don't think a lot of people saw them getting past Chicago. Next thing you know, I mean, they had a two-two. I mean, they were on the cusp of of hoisting that cup. Well, it just shows you how much parity there is in the Western Conference. Uh, you know, anybody that's seen Nashville during the year knew that they were a good team. Uh, there's every year in the Western Conference, there's a team that, or two or three, that missed the playoffs that are quality hockey teams. So, LA did the same thing a few years ago. Came in as eighth seed and ended up winning the cup. And Nashville was very close to it. But you know, Nashville has quality goaltending, they had four quality D, and uh, they have a good forward group. So it's, uh, I don't think anybody was taking them lately. Their assistant coach, Phil Housley, who obviously has local ties, does it look like he's ready for a head coaching job? I'm sure he's going to get uh, interviewed. Uh, I just read that he's going to be interviewed in Buffalo and get strong consideration there. So, yeah, no, he's paid, paid his dues. He's uh, been around good teams and coached at different levels. So I'm sure he's looking to, to get an opportunity, and he might get it sooner rather than later. Was he a name Did that came up? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, when you're on the forefront – Absolutely. Was he a name that came up in your office last year? Uh, we talked about him. Um, but obviously, with our uh, with our scale, we were looking for an experienced mm-hmm. coach with lots of you know coaching, head coaching experience. Um, and Bruce really made sense at the time. So all the all the meetings you guys have had the last few weeks, what what areas have you identified to say, okay, this is where we need to help the team this year? Uh, right now, you know, obviously we, we had a good year. We have a good team. Uh, we have good depth, both up, up front. And, uh, but, no, I think, first of all, we got to uh, work through the expansion draft and, and figure out where we're going to go from there and then make adjustments. So my um, regular season, we, we were one of the top scoring teams in the league, which, you know, wasn't always the case here in Minnesota. Um, times were – most of the year we're very good defensively. But, you know, we we – didn't peak at the right time we uh you know we we went in that slump that we came back out of it uh, we thought we we're going and we ran into a, a goaltender in the playoffs and, and we just couldn't finish so um you know we're obviously going to look to add and continue to get stronger and uh, we got some good kids in the pipeline it's just when, whenever those guys are ready but at the same time we have a good nucleus to work with here and build upon when you say that you'll add, I mean, are there some are there some crazy scenarios being tossed about? I mean, it seems like there's there's a healthy amount of dialogue that a lot of teams are looking to do some stuff. Yeah, no, I think this time of year there's always people throwing names at you that you know are interesting, and sometimes they're 
they're not 100% committed to it, but they're just looking at different scenarios to try to change their look as a team or look at their group. But, you know, we had a very close-knit group uh, as far as our players in our room. I don't think we're, we're certainly not looking to blow up anything. But if we can add a piece or two or change the look maybe in a certain way, we'll, we'll certainly consider it. So what you're saying is, you know, when you're trying to weigh, you know, the, the lack of success, you know, compared to what you guys thought you would be, you know, with, with going out in five games versus all the success you had in the 82-game regular season, that, that more weight goes to the side of the 82-game regular season? Yeah, we we know we're a good team. Um, that's the thing when you – right after the season, you have to take some time away just to, you know, exhale and take some of the emotion out of it and look what you did well versus uh, not well. And, and obviously nobody's happy with the way we uh, fell out in the playoffs. So we just – it's just the way it works sometimes. So, but uh, you know, we got a, we got some good players here. We got a good team, and we just got to stick with it and get to that next step. Brent, is it a foregone conclusion that you're going to lose somebody, whether it's to Vegas, some other transaction that that you know, whether it's a D man, somebody else that that you will lose somebody. That's just the way the system is set up. Yeah, no, for sure. We're we're well aware of that, and that's the price of having uh, you know good depth on your team and. You know, there's a number of players that are obviously like us that we're we're going to lose a good player. So we're going to continue to talk to other teams about different scenarios. Uh, but we'll also, we've, you know, had several com- or conversations with Vegas and uh, different scenarios maybe to go certain ways. But, you know, worst case scenario, uh, you know, we can only lose one player and, and we'll see what happens. We, we certainly don't want to lose two and just make random trades just to, protect one certain guy and then lose another a different way so uh, it's, it's a puzzle it's a obviously it's fun for them they're they're looking to get whatever players they can not only for now but for the future and i think we have an idea of what they're looking for and um you know what we want to keep ideally so we'll see how it plays out are you close on any trade i mean with all this dialogue i mean do you sense that this will be an active week uh possibly yeah no it's uh obviously we get you know, anytime you get uh, closer to a, a deadline, things become more real and people get more serious. So we've obviously Chuck's fielded calls uh, constantly here over the last couple of weeks, and we have players that teams want. And unfortunately, the players that they want, we don't really want to give up. So, but there are you know some cases where they will pay a significant price, and you certainly have to consider it to make our team better going forward. Are two of the guys that you're getting calls on your restricted free agents, Granlund and uh, Niederreiter? Yeah, no, we. We get calls on, on those guys, but you know, those aren't obviously the guys that we're really focusing on trying to move. And but if someone blows the doors down, yeah, you know, uh, we'll have to consider anything. Do you guys have your expansion list? Is it finalized? I mean, I know you still have some days to to do some stuff, but is it finalized as you sit here on Monday afternoon? Uh, we've actually we're in this meeting earlier. Uh, we've we go through this weekly. We've had uh, our votes and. All the staff, we've had our pro scouts and coaches in, and uh, we have our own group here that we've gone through. And it's, I would say it's uh, 90% set uh, as far as what we want. And it's not all agreed upon by everybody, but I think, uh, you know, for, I think we're pretty prepared for what we're going into and um, we're aware of the situation. How is Eric Stahl doing? I mean, it seems like it was so, so long ago, but it was the playoffs. I mean, he suffers that, that concussion. How is how is Eric doing? 
I think he's doing well. Uh, I, I so Chuck spoke with him a couple weeks after, uh, even four or five days after uh, he was feeling a lot better. And obviously, it was a very scary incident at the time, and it could have been a lot worse. Um, obviously, he's very fortunate to to come out of it uh, the way he did. So I think uh, if the season was still going, he'd be playing right now. Where are you guys at in terms of the uh, assistant coach search? Uh, well, obviously we, you know, Bruce has um, talked to a few people. He has a few people in mind on a short list right now. Um, soon as Scott uh, let us know the situation, Bruce, um, you know, we've had a couple of names. Um, it's just a matter of timing to get in front of them, spend some time and make a decision. And if we do decide to open it up to a bigger group of people, we will, but we haven't got to that point yet. How good of a draft is this? Uh, you know, in comparison to a lot of drafts recently, it's, it's I would say it's on the very average to below average. Mm. As far as the, there's some good players at the top end of the draft. Players are going to be good NHL players. Uh, there are no Crosby's, McDavid's in this draft, and I would say the depth of this draft is uh, it's a little thinner than most years. How about locally, though? I mean, it seems like whether it's Middlestad, locally, Peeling, it's, uh, yeah. One of the better drafts in a while. Uh, you know, with uh, Middlestad and out and share some of the players on the uh, U.S. Development Program are Minnesota kids. And, you know, you got another number of other kids playing high school hockey that'll be drafted, and some of them fairly high. So uh, for the state of Minnesota, I think it's, uh, it's, it's going to be very positive. How good of a prospect is Middlestad? Uh, he's he's very, very talented kid. Uh, he's very gifted offensively, high in hockey sense. and uh, you won't have to wait very long to hear his name called. Do you read much into, or do you look into his his lack of production at the combine? I mean, I guess specifically the bench press and the pull ups, or is that not that big of a deal? Because I guess when you watch Casey play, it seems like there's strength on the ice. That to me ultimately is what should matter, not how many pull ups you can do. Yeah, it's it's certainly a it's a little bit alarming. Um, at the same time, it's. You know, he can look at it a couple of different ways and how good he could be when he is strong. And um, obviously, if you're picking, you're considering picking with a, a top 10 pick. You you want to make sure that he's committed in that, which I think he is, just watching him play for these last few years, living here and and uh, getting to know him a little bit. But uh, obviously, it's probably not the picture you want to present to right before the draft, but still, I don't think it will impact him too much. We'll leave you with this, Brian. I mean, what's what's a normal day like, you know, this week, for example? I mean, are you in early in the morning? Are you in your office until late at night just because there's so much trade dialogue going on? Yeah, no, obviously with cell phones now. But, yeah, we're in early every day here, especially this week. We've got a lot of different things going on. I don't know, not only with this, but with the minor league staff and, uh, you know, getting ready for the draft and free agency. And there's uh, a lot of things going on. So, yeah, well, it's going to be a busy week. And, head to the draft next week and you'll see things move quickly. Well, all the best, Brent. We'll certainly be in touch. I mean, clearly you guys will be active on, on, I would think, a number of fronts. So, you know, hopefully maybe early July, mid-July, we'll track you down again. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Brent. Appreciate it as always. All right, bye-bye. Apologies on a little bit of feedback there, but his information is so good, I kept it going. So hopefully if you need your wild middle-of-June fix, you got it there with Senior Vice President of Operations, Brent Flair. All right, Gophers basketball. Ed Conroy's son walking on. No Duke in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. No surprise if you listen to the Scoop podcast. Season ticket renewal packages sent out a week or two ago. No schedule yet, which is odd to me, but 
pretty typical, but you would think, I mean, especially my father-in-law, he's got fourth row center court seats. He's curious who's on the home schedule, although he's one of those guys that's all in, no matter what, he's going to pay for his tickets. But I know he is very curious. Gabe Kausher on campus on Monday. If you're wondering whether he will commit to the Gophers, I still see him as a Gopher, but I don't get the sense he verbalizes that on Monday. I suppose always possible. You know, he has that offer from where Pittsburgh, you know, playing well for Howard Pulley. He'll play in the Peach Jam. You know, Howard Pulley has, what, that top seed. I mean, he'll be on the big stage here in July. So there's no sense that he will commit to the Gophers on the spot with that Monday unofficial visit. But stay tuned on Gabe Kausha. Eric Hunter, shooting guard from Indianapolis, in later this week. The Gophers do want to have all the local guys in soon, and many will be on campus for that Gophers camp where they all play games at Williams Arena. Race Thompson of Robbinsdale Armstrong is somebody the Gophers very much want. He will visit Indiana and Michigan this month. Look for when he visits Michigan to get an official Michigan offer. Also, all the Gophers will play in the Pro-Am at De La Salle High School, run by Jamar Diggs. That starts on June 19th. So, you know, who was it? It was Jarvis Johnson who played last year. Tyus Jones played last year. This will be the first time in a number of years that current Gophers players will play in a local summer league. I'll just get a bunch of notes out of the way so I can wrap this one up. Scott Bell is official. He is the new Gophers hockey assistant coach filling the Grand Patoni role. If you are an avid listener of the Scoop Podcast, you heard Scott Bell's name brought up a number of weeks ago. It was finally Don Lucci in the end who said, okay, let's do it. Don Lucia definitely liked Steve Miller, the former Denver guy, Air Force guy. You know, but between internally other staff members, the external M-Men pressure, there was all sorts of pressure to hire an M-Man, an M-Man that is very qualified, former head coach at Hamlin, current Pittsburgh Penguins scout, bleeds maroon and gold. It always made sense to hire Scott Bell, but I am told it was Don Lucia in the end who had to come around and everybody else was on board. It was Don Lucia who had to come around, and Don Lucia did. The Vikings, no interest in Jeremy Macklin so far, no interest in Eric Decker. Told they really like Isaac Frichty, and Caleb Jones has had a good offseason. Not that Caleb Jones is ready for big-time snaps, but they like some of the depth they have at wide receiver with Frichty and Jones. On Teddy Bridgewater, was reminded again late last week that he has a long way to go. Do not look for Teddy Bridgewater to get full medical clearance to do everything on the football field anytime soon. Make no mistake, this is Sam Bradford's team in 2017. Don't think there's anything else I have to necessarily get in. Let's end the Scoop podcast. You know what? Actually, maybe one other note, but let me give some more love to Vine Park Brewery. They are the new sponsor on board. Vinepark.com, right off of West 7th Street in downtown St. Paul. On Twitter, at Vine underscore park underscore brew. Vine Park is the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer and make your own wine with their equipment, with their help. So they are the experts. You can defer to them. But when it comes to flavor, taste, you decide what you like. Vine Park has been the fun place to brew your own beer and make your own wines since 1995. Think about Father's Day coming up. What a great present this would be for Father's Day, whether it's a certificate to have him go brew his own beer, make his own wine, or you pick up maybe a growler, you know, whatever it is. Think about Vine Park Brewery, vinepark.com, where you brew your own beer or wine, you take it home in 22-ounce bottles, 
And you can make your own custom labels. It's perfect for parties, corporate events. You think about flavors like pale ale, IPAs, brown ales, porters, stouts, lagers, pilsners, box, wheats, whatever you like, whatever kind of beer you like, Vine Park Brewery will take care of your taste buds. Check them out. They are big-time supporters of the Scoop Podcast. The Scoop Podcast doesn't exist without the fine folks at Vine Park Brewery. Again, vinepark.com. Their phone number, 651-228-1355. 651-228-1355. With my mono, I wasn't able to get to Edgerton Elementary School in Maple Grove, excuse me, Maplewood, Late last week, but Mike Muscala invited me. He invited our cameras. He handed out Mike Muscala's got a heart of gold from the Atlanta Hawks, Roseville High School, Bucknell University. Had a good year for the Atlanta Hawks, restricted free agent this summer. So Mike Muscala might hit the jackpot this summer. He gave out a couple scholarships, in fact, a handful of scholarships to his basketball camp at Concordia St. Paul later this month at his old elementary school. Wanted to make sure I gave some love to Mike Muscala because he absolutely deserves it. Also, I met Sean Johnson, the Twins director of scouting, middle of last week, escaped the house for a few hours with the mono. I can't tell you enough how impressed I was with Sean Johnson. The Twins are in good hands. Had a Twins scout tell me, you know, in these draft meetings with Thad Levine, with Sean Johnson, with Derek Falvey, the Twins are in very, very good hands that those three in their leadership roles are incredibly impressive. The Twins are on the upward tick. They are heading in the right direction. It took a while, but they are. I'm telling you, the Twins' future is very, very bright. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode number 78. Thank you so much for listening.